Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory or on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you receive a new episode of the show each and every week. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Shauna Thomas to the show. Shauna served in Romania from 2002 to 2004 as an education volunteer teaching English. We talk about her time in Romania, the land of Dracula, and serving in a country that gets quite cold. Can you imagine having to start your own fire to keep warm or to start your hot water heater? Let's just say that Shauna maybe showered a little bit less than she was used to in the United States as a result of having to light a fire each time to take a shower. In addition to her time in Romania, we talk about her current position at Murray State University, where she is in charge of the Peace Corps prep program. The Peace Corps prep program is a program for undergraduate students to prepare them for Peace Corps by taking language and cultural courses. Now, as Shauna admits, there's only so much that you can do to prepare for Peace Corps, but this program does give potential volunteers a leg up. Without further ado, here is Shauna's story. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. My name is Shauna Thomas, and this is my Peace Corps story. Hello, Shauna. Welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Trying to stay warm. Mm-hmm. And we're going we're gonna to get into that because uh, you served in a country that actually had winters. Uh, we, we did not have winters. We had a uh, rainy and dry season where I served. But I always like hearing uh, about the experience of, of winter in Peace Corps for those volunteers that served uh, in those regions. But before we get there, let everybody know a little bit about you, uh, where you served, when you served, and what you were doing. Um, I served in Romania from 2002 to 2004, and I was an education volunteer. So I taught 6th grade through 12th grade uh, in a small village named Petrica. It's on the western part of Romania. It's on the Hungarian-Romanian border. Okay, and what were you doing there as a volunteer exactly? Uh, I taught English, and uh, I'd have some side projects going on. Um, you have your secondary project. So I, we would do every time an American holiday rolled around, uh, we'd kind of play it up really big, like Halloween. We did a whole Halloween party and spent the day before the party kind of talking about the traditions of Halloween and kind of old stories. And then when we actually got to the party, we would do like traditional party games like Bobby for apples. And um, I think we might've had, I think we had pumpkin carving or not. 
Um, but we'd also incorporate English into that and we'd have crossword puzzles and word searches and things like that for the students to do so um, at the same time of, you know, celebrating this American holiday. Uh, they also got to practice their English. Okay. And uh, for those listening and also for myself, uh, what should we know about Romania? I personally don't know if I could find Romania on a map. I know what region of Europe it's in, but I would really just be guessing and probably end up picking like Ukraine or Hungary or one of the neighboring countries. Uh, so let us know a right. little bit about Romania. Um, Romania is an absolutely beautiful country. Um, when I learned, I kind of had a secret preference to serve in Romania, but the only thing they really knew about it was that they had gymnasts, really good gymnasts, and their and the um, Dracula, the Dracula story, Vlad Zepesh, um, you know, Vlad the Impaler. So I kind of went into it having this idea that, you know, you're in Transylvania. There's always a low lane fog on the ground. Uh, nobody comes out of their house past sunset because, you know, vampires. Uh, and when I got there, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Transylvania itself is gorgeous in the mountains. There's a lot of um, a mixture of Romanian architecture and German architecture. and um, Just absolutely gorgeous um, in general, all, the whole country. Uh, the people were so hospitable, um, a little quieter out in a public setting, which was hard to get used to as an American. Uh, but when you got and you were in someone's home, it was a completely different story. Everyone's, you know, talking and laughing and telling jokes and sharing stories and um, just wonderful, wonderful people. Uh I don't know what else to say. It's about the size of Oregon. Um, and yeah, they have, they had pretty, pretty bad winters. Um, Tell us a little bit about those winters uh, in Romania. Cause as I said, you know, I, I served in a country that uh, didn't get below, you know, 60 degrees ever. Uh, so how was it serving in a country that had feet of snow at times? It was, it was interesting. Um, my first winter was the coldest winter in about 50 years. And I, I know that because anytime I was on the street, um, a, a neighbor, a total stranger to me, whichever, we'd start talking and um, I'd be told sometimes multiple times a day that it was the coldest winter in 50 years. So it was it was a challenge. We had to, you know, we, ha we can't drive, so we walk everywhere. And my apartment was about a mile, maybe a little more to my school. So I'd have to walk to and from every day. And sometimes, you know, you're walking in the snow. Sometimes you're if you're walking just after the snow, um, sometimes you're trying to hurry back home before the snow was coming. Um, but it was very, it was interesting because uh, outside of each house, it was the homeowner's responsibility to shovel the sidewalks. Um, and some people did a great job and others didn't. Um, so you could go from a nice, you know, clean surface to walking through a foot of snow for, you know, 20, 30 yards, depending on how long it was until the next house came up that they then, you know, clean the, clean the area. Um, 
And I had to, my apartment was a small efficiency apartment and it didn't have electric heat or hot water. So whenever during the winters I had to build fires and some days it worked great and other days it did not. And I'd end up huddling around the electric heater that the Peace Corps gave me or, um, like I was like, okay, it's been, you know, it's been a couple of days. I should probably take a shower. Uh, and then the I couldn't get the fire going in the hot water heater. And I I'm, felt so bad for my neighbors because I'm sure there was a few times that they just heard me yelling in English really loudly, like at the <laughs> water heater, um, kind of wondering, like, what is that? What is she doing in there? Um but I end up like having to, you know, it's the middle of February and it's negative, you know, it's below zero outside. And I'd have to like take a shower in freezing cold water and uh, my tub didn't drain properly. So I'd also be standing in like a foot of water <laughs> as I was doing this. So I learned a lot that first winter, <laughs> but now, I mean, I can... I'll have friends out at my house and we'll get the fire pit going and someone will be like, Oh, who's going to, you know, well, I haven't started a fire or, you know, I don't really know how to do this. Or I'm like, don't even worry about it. Like I got this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I did. I depended on this now still. Yeah. Well, that's, that's an excellent skill uh, to, to carry with you uh, after Peace Corps. But rather than, you know, the, those memories of uh, fighting with the uh, hot water heater, uh, what are some of your your favorite memories of of your Peace Corps service? This question is so hard um, because I just I have so many. Uh, even on the days when you're like, oh, I kind of want to go home, <laughs> like there's still things that would come up that would you know give you a you know give you enough of okay, this is this is worth it. This is going to be a good memory for me. Um, something that's always stood out for me was the day that I met my host family. Uh, we'd only been in the country a couple of days and had all been in like the hub city of Ploiesht. And we were the first group um, of group 15 that was split up. Usually they were, the volunteers stayed with host families actually in Ploiesht, but they had decided to split everybody up into smaller groups and put us up and down the Prohova Valley. So we were sent with, you know, we were just put on a bus and uh, taken to this town we were staying in to meet our host families. And um, we pulled up in front of the high school and it's raining outside and it's just not a great day to, you know, meet people that you don't know that you're going to be living with for the next three months or so. And uh, we all got off the bus and, you know, we're all kind of still jet lagged and, and I'm like, what is even going on? Like, we don't know the language. We don't know. You know, we're just going to go home with these people. Um, so standing there and I don't remember how I was introduced or how we, like my host mother and I figured out that we, you know, I was going to be going home with them. Um, but that somehow happened. I'm sure one of the, um, one of the people who, you know, worked at the Peace Corps introduced us, but, um, my host mother just came up to me and just gave me the biggest hug. And she's just, you know, speaking so fast in Romanian. 
that I have, I have no idea what she's saying, but she just has this, this smile on her face and she's just made me feel like at home already. Um, and then my host sister at the time was 17. So she comes up and is, you know, trying to be the cool teenager, but, you know, is still like, you know, come on, let's go. Like, let's, let's go to our house. Um, and I just, I always remember that because being so far from home, it was the first time that, I mean, I'd gone away for, for college and, um, but I hadn't been in a totally different country so far away from all of my family and all of my friends and everything that I knew before. And so, you know, these this total strangers come up to you and they hug you like that. And they just accept you into your family, into their family so quickly. It just, um, it made me feel so at home with them, like immediately. Um, so it didn't even, you know, bother me that I, you know, we spoke two different languages and, um, that was going to be rough for a little bit. We were going to have to play a lot of charades in the beginning. And, um, you know, it didn't bother me that I didn't, I mean, we could have gotten to their house and they could have been, you know, total jerks or something, but, um, it just, it was just such a moment for me that just still sticks with me because, you know, throughout my service, um, you know, within when I was still living with them, but then on throughout my service, I spent time with them. Uh, and I still like we're Facebook friends and, um, you know, we chat every once in a while on Facebook and, you know, I know what's going on in their lives and they know what's going on in mine. And, you know, it's all these years later, um, I've been home almost 14 years now, but we're still, you know, I still consider them family. Mm-hmm. Having that, that family in your host country is, is something special. And, you know, people that you, you never otherwise would have met in your life that become so important. And that's definitely one of my favorite memories as, as well for, from my service. And then on the opposite side of that, do you have a, a least favorite memory that, that comes to mind or one of those instances where Peace Corps service had the better of you? <laughs> you know, so there's times that I always want to say, like, sometimes teaching was my worst <laughs> like, um, or my least favorite part of Peace Corps service. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't the school and it wasn't the other teachers and it wasn't the students. It was just me not feeling like I was an adequate enough English teacher. Um, but my one thing, one story though, that, that really sticks out with me is um, after that three months, when you're at site, when you're kind of freed to go and travel the country more, um, a couple of my friends and I, who I had gotten really close, we were in the tra- same training site and we'd gotten really close. Um, we decided that we were going to go to uh, our friend Brian's house. And he was a four hour train ride from me. And our, our friend Laura was coming, I think maybe a 12 hour train ride and uh, maybe longer. She would always take the, like the third class, train that stopped at like every single stop so it always ended up taking her so much longer to get anywhere than the rest of us um but we were going to Ayud to see Brian for the weekend and um you know we I got there it was great uh it was my first time traveling by myself on, on the way there um I had no problems at all I was feeling really like proud of myself so then we we're there for the weekend and um it's time to for me to go back and my train was leaving at like midnight. 
So uh, my friend Laura left before me and Brian's waiting with me at the train station and buy my ticket. They tell me what, you know, train car to go on and train pulls into the station and I get in that train car. And then we go, I feel like it was to the next bigger town. And like the, they turned off the lights and everyone's just like getting off the train car. And, like, it was like a mass exodus. And I was like, man, like it's one o'clock in the morning. Like a lot of people are getting off this train right now. And uh, so I'm just still sitting there. And the conductor finally comes in and he's like, what are you doing? I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to a rod. And he's like, this train isn't going to a rod. The other part of the train went to a rod. And so I'm just sitting there like, what am I supposed to do? So I get off of the train. I go up to the ticket counter and, I, you know, window. And I was like, you know, okay, I need to get to a rod. Like, when's the next train? And the woman's like, oh, you know, it's in 20 minutes. And I was like, great. And so I go, I'm like, what track? So I go to the track she tells me to. And there's like several people standing there. So I asked them, I'm like, this train's going to a rod, right? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, perfect. And uh, so we get on the train, find a seat. Conductor starts coming around. He looks at my ticket and he's like, this train's not going to a rod. <laughs> and I was like, but they said that at the, at the station. And the three people I asked all said that it was. And he's like, it's not. So I get to this little tiny station and it's closed at this point in time. It's, you know, close to three o'clock in the morning and it didn't open until I think six. So I'm in this tiny little station. It's like me and an older gentleman and his grandson. And I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm just going to sit here and it's cold. You know, it's close to October and I had no food. <laughs> I'm like, hungry i'm thirsty i have no idea what's happening um i just want to sleep and then get you know get back to my house and so eventually you know the train station opened and i had to go back get a ticket to go back to um the the last station that i had been at and uh so i get there and i asked the woman at the, at the window I'm like okay when's the next train to arrive and she she actually yelled at me she was like, I don't know. Why do you think I know? And I was like, well, because you work here at the train station. It's because it's your job to know. It's, it's your job to know. So um, she was like, I'll find out and I'll tell you. So I said, okay. I'm like, I'm just going to go sit over there on that bench. And when you know something, you tell me. So it's probably like 20, 30 minutes goes by. And then I hear her yelling, like, American. Hey, American. And I was like, well, clearly she's talking to me because there's no other Americans hanging out here. Um, so I go to the window and at this point she's very pleasant and, you know, tells me when the next train is and I'm like, okay. And I buy another ticket, not even thinking at this point that I already had a ticket to a rod. I didn't actually think I needed to keep buying tickets, but I did anyway. Um, so the train finally comes and we're a couple, we go a couple hours down the tracks and then it stops again and it's you know i'm like okay we're just waiting and then like 20 minutes goes by and 45 minutes goes by in an hour and i'm like why aren't we 
moving. <laughs> so then I start asking. I'm going to like different train cars and I go into the train station and I'm like, is that train actually going to a rod? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're, it's going. But nobody said like when it was going to go. So we waited there, I think close to two hours before it finally got going again. And what had happened was they had to wait for another train. They had to switch the tracks and then wait for another train. And then that train was late and just a whole mess. So uh, it ended up taking me I think 12 or 13 hours to get home. And it was supposed to be a four hour train ride. Um, so that, I always look back at that as one of like my least favorite memories because it was, it was such an ordeal at the time, but then it's also, you know, on the flip side of that, it taught me like, okay, you need to buy a train book and you need to learn it and keep it with you and treat it as your new Bible, because that was going to help me, you know, if I ever got caught in that situation again, um, where I would know exactly when a train was leaving, you know, what time, everything. And I wouldn't be in that, in that situation again, but it also was this kind of freeing moment, even in the midst of this is unpleasant because it was like, okay, I can do this. You know, like I just managed to by myself with, I mean, three, you know, I was there about this point, six months, but you know, I still was not fluent in Romanian by any stretch. Um, at the six month part. So it was like, I can by myself, you know, figure out where I'm supposed to go and, you know, talk to the people and, you know, get the right answers. And, you know, what could have, I mean, some people that, you know, very easily could have been like, okay, I'm just giving up at this point in time. <laughs> like, I'll just die in whatever small town I'm in right now. Um, it was, okay, you know what? I need to just, I need to get home. So how do I, go about doing that so that was definitely I, I think of that and I'm like God, that was a long 12 to 13 hours mm-hmm. but you know one of those things too that you look at and you're like okay but I also did learn a lot from that well, th- well thank you for sharing that story I mean you know, I think every volunteer has a transport story of, of, of some sort know some sort of mishap or uh just how uncomfortable <laughs> the tra- transport was uh so, so thank you for for sharing that with us other than those long train rides is there something that you you miss about peace corps you said it's been 14 years since you served but what are those things that are you you still miss and still long for i miss i miss i miss romania it, the country itself it like I said, it's beautiful and there's so much diversity within, I mean, the, the area that I lived in was very flat, um, kind of, you know, reminded of like the plains or something, but then, you know, you get on a train and you go a couple of hours and you're, you know, in these mountains that are just incredibly beautiful and, um, you know, and you go to, you know, take a 12 or 14 hour train ride and you're at the seacoast and, um, you know, just that the diversity of, of what the country looked like. But then also I miss, uh, I miss the people. Um, you know, I still have, you know, like I said, my host family and I are still in contact and, 
my counterpart actually, actually, I got to see her in October, in October because she married a Fulbright scholar and lives in Michigan now. Um, but, you know, I miss those friendships that amongst the nationals you're serving alongside, but also the volunteer friends that you make because they know exactly at any given moment in time, they know exactly what you're going through, even if they're not going through it at that same time. Um, And just the support that you can get from other volunteers and whether it's support of celebrating something that went really well or kind of, you know, venting about something that you find to be a frustration just because there can be a lot of frustrations too. Um, Or, you know, like, talking with you or sitting with you while you're like, I'm so homesick. I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, you know, that kind of support that, that the volu- other volunteers can give, um, you know, those friendships that you make, especially with other volunteers, just, it's like no other friendship or relationships in your world. Um, so I miss having, and I'm still in contact with several of my friends, but, um, it's also, you know, not the same as when you're actually serving together or so far from home. Um, I miss, there's this vegetable spread called Zakuska. And my counterpart, Alina, actually has throughout the years that she lives in Michigan, they, she'll send me a couple of jars every fall when she cans it. And it's, you know, it's eggplant and red peppers and, it's wonderful and I love it. And I have a, I still have like one jar that I kind of ration out to myself, but I miss having that. And like, whenever I want it, you can always find some, somebody would always be willing to give it to you. Um, so yeah, I, I, I miss my students, which I don't miss teaching, but I do miss my students because they were, most of them were so like they wanted to learn. Um, and they weren't afraid. A lot of them weren't afraid to make the mistakes that that everybody makes when they're learning a new language, and just kind of being able to be alongside with them as as they were learning was exciting. So, yeah, I I don't know. There's a there's a lot that I that I do miss. Um, but yeah it's, it's a long list to go through i think i should probably wrap that one up <laughs> no no it's i mean if if i started going on all the things that that i missed about uh my service it, it would be uh long as well of the, the people the experiences of course the food uh, but i'd like to to shift gears a little bit and talk about um what you're currently doing uh, with with Peace Corps and the Peace Corps prep program. So tell us a little bit about uh, what your current role is and what you're doing with Peace Corps prep. I am the coordinator for the Murray State um, University Peace Corps prep program. Uh, we are the only, currently the only university in the state of Kentucky that has this program. And The program is set up for students who know that they want to join the Peace Corps or think they might want to join the Peace Corps or maybe have some other international service in in mind. 
um, for after they graduate. So the Peace Corps set this program uh, so that students can be better prepared, not only for being volunteers, but it also helps make them more competitive as they're actually applying to become volunteers. Um, each student who's a part of the program, they choose their sector during their undergrad, and um, then they have to take three sector courses um, so that they have some experience within their within their sector, um, which is usually pretty easy for most students because it, their sector they choose, for the most part, goes right along with whatever they're studying. So it's not any extra courses that they have to take. Um, but it is just a, okay, we're just going to make sure that these are courses that you have. And then they have to take three intercultural courses. Um, so then they also have a little bit, and there's a, there's a long list of, um, of pre-approved courses, but to give, you know, to give the students an idea of, you know, interculture, have an intercultural background um, before they serve. And uh, then they have, 50 hours of community service, again, and it's all sector related. So as they're going out and serving, then they're gaining that experience and showing, you know, showing that how they are involved in their communities already before they actually go out to become volunteers to serve in their host country's communities. Um, it's, it's a great program. We're in our second year. And we've graduated four students. I think the, the early projections were year one, since we're a smaller school, the early projection was to maybe have three to five students in that first year. Um, and it, by the end of our first year, we had 11 students, um, which was amazing. It just kind of came out of nowhere. I was really surprised that that many students on campus would be interested. Um, and so we've graduated now four students. Um, one of the guys who just graduated in December, he's our first student who's graduated, who's also been invited to serve. So he leaves for Moldova in June. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, and it is, it's just a great program for students who know that this is what they wanna do. And it kind of, you know, it helps prepare them. Um, and like I said, it helps give them that competitive edge on the, in the application process. Um, but I think too, as they go through it, uh, as I've talked to students as they're going through it, it does give them some small idea of what it's actually like to serve. I mean, obviously until you go and serve, you have no clue. Um, but I've talked to, in recruiting students, um, you know, I've talked to students who are a little apprehensive and they're like, I don't know what to expect. And it's like, well, even once you get to wherever you serve, you won't always know what to expect. Um, but this is a great way to have, to kind of calm some of that, you know, if you have anxiety or just kind of a fear of the unknown. Um, you know, you know what sector you are. You already know what sector you're going to do. You know that you have experience within that sector because you've taken these classes. Um, you know that 
you know, you've gotten an idea within these intercultural courses of, you know, it kind of brings you out of your everyday Western Kentucky bubble, um, you know, especially for students who go and study abroad, you know, then they get that that experience of already kind of a sh- over a short term period of time going and living in another country and, you know, getting used to hearing another language around you all the time and eating different types of foods and um, figuring out, you know, different cultural norms that, you know, we may or may not have here. Um, you know, and then also just the service part is a great way to get involved in your community uh, here, you know, in college and, you know, and kind of get some sort of an idea of maybe what you'd be doing when you were serving. Um, so it's great. I I wish that I could have been a part of, of a program like this when I was an undergrad, because I think, um, a lot of my kind of, you know, what do I expect to happen? Um, I could have, you know, no, had a little bit less of a, not so much fear, but, uh, you know, just more of a knowledge of what could happen, what I could be doing. Um, so and we've got a great group of return volunteers who are part of a committee that meets with all of the students um, at least once a semester, we all go get dinner. And so if we kind of run the generational line. Um, I've got some, some of our older volunteers served in the early sixties. Like we're, you know, part of the first groups that, that, that left and their stories are incredible to listen to. Um, so they're such a great, um, there's such a great aspect of the of the program too, because these students can talk to return volunteers and hear, you know, all of our good stories and all of our, you know, not so great stories, because we all try to, you know, not sugarcoat anything. Because um, it was as great of an experience as we all had, there's there's definitely days where you're like, what am I doing? Um, but so that's great for them too to have that kind of okay. There's there's all this group of people here who have gone and served and made it through their service, no matter what country they were in or what time period they were in, or, you know, whether they had cell phones or didn't have cell phones, or even if they had electricity or didn't have electricity. Um, so that's been a good, a good part of the, the program too. Mm-hmm. No, it's definitely a, a very interesting program. And, you know, as you, you sort of said that, you know, while they're they're doing coursework and and certain things to help prepare them, there's really not much that can actually truly prepare them uh, for for what to expect. But it does help you know temper expectations and orient them a little bit so they when you know when they're applying and going through with it. I would I would assume and I would hope that they're going to have a, a much higher success rate because uh, you're going to have people that sort of better self select. And, and understand, you know, what does it mean to be a Peace Corps volunteer? Um, because I personally, before I applied, uh, hadn't heard too many stories uh, from uh, from other volunteers. Uh, so I think a, a program like Peace Corps Prep and just uh, having a better global understanding of what you're uh, going to be signing up for as a volunteer is is excellent. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't talked to anybody 
I knew nobody had heard no stories uh, when I was applying. And it, um, and on one hand, it was kind of nice because I didn't go in with any kind of preconceived uh, notions of what service was going to be like. But on the other hand, it would have been really nice to hear, hear those stories to say, Hey, you know what? I'm having a great day today and tomorrow I might not. And, you know, but I know, you know, of other volunteers who have gone through this and they all, you know, found something to keep them, keep on with their service. And Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, sort of what I hope that this podcast can do as well for for people who are you know currently serving or looking into the Peace Corps to give them those stories and that's sort of why I ask you know both the highs and the lows of Peace Corps so you can hear from other people who have have done it and have experienced it and you know when some future volunteer is in hour 12 of their horrible train ride uh, they know okay I know of at least one other volunteer who's been here uh, so that's that's what that that's what I hope this does. Well, Shauna, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking with you and learning about your service in Romania. Uh, before we close it out, do you have anything else you would like to add? I would just say, if there's anybody, if there's anyone listening who isn't sure that they want to serve, um, I would just encourage everybody to do it. It really was the one of the greatest things I've ever done. Um, like I said, the the good days and the bad and the long train rides and the cold winters, <laughs> like, you know, all of that teaches you things that I, I don't think I would have learned or known if I hadn't ever gone and served. And I don't think I would have, developed such an idea of okay if you know something's not if plan a isn't working out then what can we do to make it so that plan b will work um you know so those kind of things that you learn that in any other situation of life you may just never come across having to you know what you know i don't these cars might seem more resourceful um, you know, you know, if it's freezing out and your fire won't get started, you know, what are you going to do to stay warm? You know, like you can't freeze. So, you know, what's the next step that you take? Um, kind of those kind of things. Or if you're in a classroom and you're teaching and your students aren't catching what you're saying, you know, how do you then need to go back and look and say, okay, how can I teach this differently so that they will understand and it will click for them? Um, and I think, I honestly don't think that any of those skills that I've carried since then would have evolved in me if I hadn't have been a, had been a volunteer. So I just, I encourage everybody. I, I mean, it's great because I get to encourage students every day. Um, to be a part of the program and to, and to, you know, eventually be volunteers. But um, I think overall in general, like anybody who, you know, comes across and is listening to this, it really is an incredible experience. You know, I think they've changed the slogan now. I think it's now it's life is calling or 
something like that. But when I was a volunteer, it was um, the toughest job you'll ever love. And we'd always joke about that. How like, oh, it's so kind of like corny. Oh, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. But, you know, looking back, it really, truly was like the toughest job that I ever loved. Um, just from every every experience that I was able to to have in that in that 27 months. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. And it has been a, a pleasure speaking with you today, uh, learning a little bit about Romania and your service. And yeah, that's, that's all I, all I have to say. It's just been been absolute pleasure talking with you. So thank you very much. Thank you. And there you have it. Another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and have been listening to the show, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you get a brand new episode when I release them every single Tuesday. Until next time, remember, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?